Today's reading is from Mark chapter 1, verse 14 through 20. Now, after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee, proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Passing alongside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I'll make you become fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on a little farther, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were in their boat, mending the nets. And immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and followed him. This is the word of the Lord. We are in part six of this series where we are, are meeting Jesus as Lord and King, um, as presented through the Gospel of Mark. And today we're going to talk about, um, you know, what it is that Jesus calls his disciples, what is the primary kind of fundamental thing that He's calling his disciples to do now. But before we get that, I, I thought it'd be worth it to um, kind of track us back to how we got here, right? And so part one was the very first portion of the Gospel of Mark where it says that Jesus is the Son of God. And we had a, a big and but profound message that says that as the Son of God, that he is, there's one of, of the Holy Trinity, that he is, he, there he is the son, and that he is utterly in union. There's three persons, but they are in union. And it's what, it's what uh, um, there's a well-known pastor named Tim Keller. He likes to call the dance of reality. <laughs> and that each of them re- fully give themselves to the other and receive themselves to the other in a way that each is, they don't lose who they individually are, but in a, in a unity that's so deep that it's called three in one. And that dance of reality at the center of it is love. That's what the first message was. And the second message, we, we saw that Jesus came, as he started his ministry, he went into the wilderness. And why the wilderness? Because the wilderness represents the world. And as the passage says, the wilderness has wild animals. And as the way I put it is, that's sort of like what we are, apart from God. And, and the devil, that's what's inside the wilderness, wild animals and the devil. And we walk through this world, apart from God, we walk through this world in fear of other people, being hurt by them, as if they're like wild animals, and sometimes we're the wild animals, and we're filled with the lies of the devil. And then Jesus came forth out of the wilderness to pull his people out of the wilderness into the promised land of his kingdom. So that was the third message. He proclaims a kingdom. And I talked about this difficulty that we have of, of, of leadership, because in order for our souls to be whole and for us to be in, in a promised land, we need a king. <laughs> and we have trouble um, trusting leaders. And um, so that was what I talked about, the problem of leadership, kingship, and trust. That was uh, the next message. The king calls us to repentance. And that was a, that was, that's the warp and woof of all of the Christian life. <laughs> what does it mean to be redeemed that... So many different places in our life. It isn't just something that we do once. But repentance is a turning. It's a turning away from ourselves. It's a turning away from lies. And it's turning to our king and learning to rest in him. To find our deepest and fullest 
fulfillment in him. That's repentance. And then last week, I talked about the priority of this kingdom. And I I called this message the kingdom and the meaningful life. That if there's a king, this thing that's very difficult for us, the king, he has a claim, as the passage says, that they left their father. They left their jobs. They left being fishermen to follow him. That the king has absolute priority of all things over our family, over our careers, and that um, this is, and in this, actually, we will find our deepest freedom. So that's what we talked about in the last week. Now, all this, in these multiple weeks, really, uh, you know, to just, let me just kind of put, give you, I don't know if you want to call it a secret. <laughs> One way or another, I'm really getting you to, um, to see that you need obedience. Um, obedience isn't a dirty, is not a dirty word. And authority is not like, and we all chafe at obeying somebody or, 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 or someone can, gets to call the shot over us. But in one way or another, what I'm really doing is calling you to this need that is a deep need to obey someone who could, whose obedience is such that if we would obey, they would actually be released. And today what we're going to talk about is what is the will of this king for his followers, for his disciples. He has one key thing that he calls his followers to do. And you know what that is? That is fishing. That's what the pastor says. Jesus says, I call you, and I'm going to make you, and you're going to become fishers of men. That's the way he put it. And that's what we're going to, that's the passage, that's what we're going to wrestle with today. That as we are followers, and we've been pulled out of the wilderness, and into, under his kingship, into the kingdom, what is the will of the king that we follow him into? And one of those, and it was a core, crucial thing, is that we will become fishers of men, um, verse 17. So part one of my message, called to fish for the kingdom. Called to fish for the kingdom. Part two, particular love for particular persons. What is fishing? A lot of you tend, may think that has something to do with some kind of religious activity. I would say that's not true. The core, core thing under, under uh, of, of fishing is particular love for particular persons. That's part two. And I'm going to close my message um, by saying that in one way or another, we have all been fished. If you already believe and you are a follower of Jesus, you've been fished. And how are you fished? You were pulled by grace, and you were caught by love. That's the way you were fished. You were pulled by grace and caught by love. And that's the way we're going to close this message. Okay, so part one, call to fish for the kingdom. Now, um, if you're one of the regulars and you listen, you, you know that uh, you know, I have an intellectual bent, and I like seeing the complex and the deep things in the Bible, and some of it, you know, it's like you kind of have to wrap your mind around it. But this message is actually really not that hard to understand. It's actually fairly simple. Now, it's your, well, we have to wrestle with fishing a little bit. But what is fishing? So let's just put it a little simply. It is to, to, to fish people out of the world, out of the wilderness, out of the lostness of like walking in fear, protecting themselves from the wild animals of other people. And out of the losses of constantly hearing the lies of the devil. That's what we're fishing people out of the wilderness and into the kingdom. That's, what we're, that's, that's the call. 
Now let, let's just um, let's just like stop and let's look wrestle with this uh, this metaphor of fishing. Anybody here fish? Anybody who here is a fish is into fishing? You can raise your hand. A few. Um, any, anybody good at it? Just a few. Anybody? Um, uh, so so let me tell you how much I know about fishing firsthand. It is. Zero. <laughs> okay, so um, let me tell you how many times I've gone fishing in my life. It is zero. <laughs> I've gone zero times, and I've caught zero fish. So, you know, I'm, I'm just so qualified to talk about this, aren't I, right? Um, I want to just, just um, ask you a little bit. The passage says that Jesus called these, these are the first guys that Jesus called to be his first followers, first members of his kingdom, right? And it is, and the, and the, um, this, the, the passage is very famous that, that the ones he called, they had a particular job and they were fishermen. Um, by the way, that's, that was neither an upper class job nor a lower class. That's a straight, common, middle class job, important industry. And, um, but it's interesting that that's who he called. He didn't call software engineers, didn't call doctors first, right? <laughs> You know, didn't call therapists or lawyers or I don't know whatever else you do, you know, accountants. The, the first ones, these first guys, it's very interesting. I don't know if you've ever thought about that. He called fishermen. And then, of the activity that he wants his disciples to do, he said to guys who are professional fishermen, what I'm going to make you is fishers of people. That's what you're going to be. That's what you're going to do. Now, um, what are we talking about here? <laughs> we're talking about influencing other people to know Jesus. That's what we're talking about here. We're talking about the, if you want to talk about the, strong, the stronger word for it, is the evangelism. That's what we're talking about here. And um, so let's just take a big time out, okay? Let's take a big time out. Um, when I was a boy and, you know, I, I went to church, um, I thought I was a Christian. For many years I went to church, but I wasn't a Christian. I didn't know that. I thought you know, Christianity was just works. Do all those right things and you become a good person, and then maybe you could go to heaven. That's what I thought it was, but that, that was wrong. And then I finally heard the gospel and said, wow, that's how it actually works. And I was so grateful that, Je that Jesus would interpose his blood to wash me of my sins, and that's the way I would be saved. I'd be saved by grace. Isn't that crazy? And then I, so I actually became a Christian, and then, but then, you know, I'm being trained and taught what it means to follow, to be a real follower of Jesus. And I learned this. You're, you're supposed to become a fisher of others. And, and I knew what that meant. And you know what that, what that did for me? Um, and maybe you can relate. What it did for me was it made, it made me nervous. <laughs> it made me nervous. You're supposed to be a fisher. You're supposed to get other people to believe in Jesus. And so, um, do you know, this is, the, this is the, the, the core, like one of the most important things that Jesus wants of, those, of his followers. And so, and I'm thinking like, but what if I'm not any good at it? <laughs> I've never preached to anybody. It's kind of funny. I mean, I was really nervous about that, but now I'm a preacher, Right. And I've never, you know, I've never literally, like, got a person to say the prayer, please forgive me, Jesus, and I've surrendered my life to you. And, you know, I never, I never, was, I never got anybody to do that. And so um, I had this, you know, fear that one day, you know, after I, I, I die, I'm going to go meet Jesus on Judgment Day. 
And he's going to pull out this great cosmic report card, which of course is infallible, <laughs> because an infallible God has an infallible report card. And I have my name up there. I don't know if there's a social security number, but I don't think he needs it. <laughs> so I, I, it's you. Yeah, it's me. And he's like, let's look under the fishing. <laughs> um, you didn't catch anybody. <laughs> the heck? I thought you're supposed to be my follower. <laughs> you're a pretty bad fisher there. <laughs> and I, that's what I, I worried about. It's like, I'm not fruitful. I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm a bad disciple. I'm a bad follower. I'm not good at any fishing. And so that was my fear. Can any of you relate to this? <laughs> any of you relate to this? Yeah, so you're nodding your head. I can see it. You're like, I'm glad the pastor's talking about Because, and you know why I'm talking about this? Because, well, because I'm there. <laughs> Hey, look, I am a professional Christian, <laughs> okay? So I am a Christian, and I get paid to be a Christian. <laughs> and, 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 but to, to this day, you know, like you would think, look, the pastor, he's gotten over it. He has no fears about this anymore, right? Wrong. <laughs> I am like, know, tell this person about Jesus. Nah, I don't feel like it. <laughs> person would just probably reject me, doesn't care. I mean, who, who wants to deal with that? We all... We all just kind of can get a feeling when the person cares nothing about this God stuff. I mean, there's lots of people in our city that literally care nothing about the God stuff, right? Or, or if you mention the name Jesus, they just kind of like, there we go, right? You know, um, that's a common thing. Or, you know, you, you, uh, you, 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 know, you, just, you just yourself feel rejected, so there's those, those, there are those fears, right? Um, but, but what I want to... Um, uh, um, what I want to do today is sort of like help you rethink this. First and foremost, right? Um, were you ever saved by works? If you believe in the gospel, so you're going to get up there and he, and let's say, let's say on your so-called report card you didn't fish many people, and then so then Jesus is going to kick you out. Is that going to happen? Is that the gospel? Is that what we believe? That is not what we believe. In fact, who can be fished by Jesus? The one he knows that knows he's not going to make it on how good he is or how, how good she is. Right? We need Jesus. He is the king who made himself into the lamb. He interposed his righteousness in, in the place of our sinfulness. He took our sinfulness and then he credits us with his righteousness. He, there's our, our filth. And then he interposed his blood to wash us. That's how you're fished. And so how can it be a work? How sh- so that's the first point. How, can there, how should there, there shouldn't be a fear factor about this. That's the first thing I want to say. And yet, nonetheless, this is the call of the king and the desire of the king. Here's the second point I want to make about this. We're a disciple. You're a follower of a king. You're a member of his kingdom. What does it mean that if someone is fished out of the wilderness and brought into the kingdom, what does that mean? So, you know, I I was saying last week, if there's a king and he has a kingdom and there's nothing glorious or compelling about it, I mean, it ain't much of a king, right? It's like, you're a person who goes, I'm the king. It's like, well, who, who follows you? Well, like nobody. <laughs> you're like, you ain't much of a king. So what's so great and glorious about you? Um, well, not much. You're like, you're kind of 
a loser. What kind of a king are you, <laughs> right? So that's not much of a king. <laughs> what are you really doing when you're asking and you're trying to fish people out of the wilderness and into his kingdom? You're trying to get people to see what is beautiful, what is compelling, what is worthy and glorious about our king. So that they themselves, not out of fear, not out of duty, not out of obligation, not out of religiosity, they themselves would say, that king, I need that king. That's the king I need in my life. And I need to step off and stop trying to run my own life, stop listening to the devil and running my own life, and that's the king. I, that's, that's that movement of glory. That's, that's our missional calling. <laughs> The calling is not to do a work and then you get a little tally on your report card. Oh, got that person. <laughs> got that person. All right, all right. I, got, I just got one person to get baptized. Cool. You know, I was, it was on me. Yes, right? But that's not what it's if, if that's the attitude, man, that is a really works righteousness, legalism kind of attitude. And in a very real way, you should, like, let's go back to a couple weeks ago, repent and believe in the gospel. And so, as we call, we're, we're called into this missional calling, what are you really doing? And you're calling people out of this, you're calling people into something that you yourself have discovered you desperately need. Now, one more point before I go to the second portion of my message. Is it glorious? You know, with our eyes, you know, in this world, you know, as we live in the wilderness, we often don't know what is glorious. You know, like, oh, you know, that the Steph Curry makes that shot, and now he's going to make, you know, zillions of dollars. Well, that is glorious of, of a sort, okay? And, it's, and there's a certain kind of, but what we really are, we're blind to the deeper, greater glory. Because once, you know, there are all kinds of kingdoms. There, there, there's, there's like the, the kingdom of the smartphones, which, you know, our, our, our city loves those. There's the kingdom of basketball. You know, our city's really good at that right now, you know, because we're at the top of the heap on that. But the Warriors, but just in a few years, guess what? Stuff will be past its prime. <laughs> Some people already think it's happening. <laughs> and the glory of Steph Curry and the Warriors will pass. <laughs> Sorry, I love him too. So enjoy it, but it'll be gone tomorrow, okay? And you know, and, and you know, Apple almost died. <laughs> that wasn't, I mean, I'm, so, you saw so many young people are like, Apple, greatest company there is. No, it almost died, <laughs> right? And guess what? It will die. <laughs> but this kingdom, did you, did you see it? His kingdom will never, we said it on the creed, his kingdom will never end. And all those who have been pulled out of the danger of the wilderness and into that kingdom, they're drawn, not just like, oh, it's all just cool. They're drawn into that deep and incredible fellowship of the Holy Trinity, where their self is utterly complete and secure, where you don't lose your individuality and yourself, but now you're drawn into a profound oneness with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and all of the other, other members of the kingdom. It's like, do you understand that the Trinity is God? But every member of the kingdom gets to taste of a oneness of love so profound that can never die or never be broken. Imagine being in a relationship where 
Nobody will ever hurt you or disappoint you. And they'll long to know you in your deepest place. And what they'll ever give you is pure, holy love. That's the kingdom. And so let's just, let's just talk. I'm a worst case scenario kind of guy, right? I always like to think about, let's just say you only influenced one person, okay? If, like, if you actually believe in Jesus and you actually want to, trust me, you're going to influence a lot more people. You don't, and you, and you know, fishers, you know, they, they work in tandems. You know, some people get to do the final fishing, but some people, you know, throw out the net. Some people get to sow the gospel, but other people get to reap. You know, the ones that get to reap are the ones that usually get all the, you know, they get all the attention. You know, I love that person in Jesus. They said, I trust in Jesus. So, you know, okay, okay, there, okay, well, you know, that seems like, but you know what? There are a lot of people who are, uh, who are fishing, to mix metaphors here, by sowing. Or just loving. And if you just are a real follower of Jesus, and you really take this, you really want to influence other people and, and, and unto the Lord, you're going to influence a lot more people than one. But let's get back to worst case scenario. Let's say you just only influence one person. One person to Jesus. And that person is saved, born again. And then over the course of their life, let's say they're not a great Christian, they're just sort of like your C minus, D plus kind of Christian, but they're genuinely Christian. And they influence, say, like 20 people. Okay, 20 people. They, they, they didn't get any of those 20 people to say the prayers, but they did influence those 20 people by their servanthood, their humility, their love, whatever it is that they did, 20, those 20 people. And then let's say they influenced their three kids. <laughs> so they influenced 23 people for Jesus. And out of those 20 people, Let's say five of them get saved, and two out of the three kids get saved. And then out of those five, and then those two, that's seven people get saved. And then one of them turns into a great theologian. <laughs> one of them starts a mercy ministry that eradicates sexual slavery in another country. <laughs> one of them has a grandchild that writes a theology book that is read. 200 years later, you know, that is fruit that still comes out of that one person you influence. That's the kingdom. See how that works? There's no such thing as a small person. There's no such thing as small fishing. There's no such thing. Not because we are great, but because our king is great. And his glory lasts forever. It's a forever kind of glory. It's incredible. We're, we're so used to like, it's cool, to, gone to, here today, gone tomorrow. Yesterday, I loved in and out But today, it's all about five guys. And tomorrow, will be about something else, and who cares, right? That's just so normal. That's how we think. That's not how it is with this kingdom. Isn't that worthy of your serving as a fisher? Let's go to part two. Okay. So, what is fishing like? Fishing is like a project. I'm going to treat this person like a project until, unless they can get them to say the prayer. Of, come on, you already, you already know that. That's not the case, right? At the heart of fishing is particular love for particular people, particular persons. You know, um, we say, I love the poor. And then, you know, it's like this is kind of like faceless, abstract set of people. And maybe some of you can say that, and it's true. 
You actually do have a real, genuine compassion for the poor that's just different than most. Maybe that could be true. But actual, when you really get into love for what it really is in its best and its deepest, it's very particular. It is particular love for very particular persons. So, for instance, um, so you guys, you know, I can say, I love my wife. And of course, you know, as a husband, I mean, I'm a married man, and you're supposed to love your wife, right? But, you know, it's better actually to not even say, I love my wife. What's really true is, I love Grace Park, right? I don't just love my wife, I love a very, very particular person who has very, very particular quirks. I trust me, very particular quirks, <laughs> which requires a very particular love for a very particular person. I love my children. Oh, I love my children. I'm a dad. I love my children. Any dad can say that. But if you really love your children, you don't just love your children. I love Hudson as Hudson. I love Laura. Those are my kids as Laura. I love Elizabeth as Elizabeth. For any of you who know my kids, they're very distinct individuals. It's just my two kids. I love my daughters, um, Laura and Elizabeth. They are not, not the same, and they're not even similar. <laughs> they're very, very particular. And if you're going to love Elizabeth as Elizabeth and Laura as Laura, it's very unique in particular. That's the heart. I think that's the heart of fishing. <laughs> um, there's a pastor I respect. He once said, you know, he's one of um, the, the pastors who influenced me. Um, it's actually one of the, the lead pastors, former lead pastor, his name is Pastor, and he likes to say, there's a difference between saying that um, Jesus died for sinners. <laughs> Jesus died for the world. You really come to faith when you say, Jesus died for me. <laughs> for me. And when you do particular love, that's the thing that you want them to see. <laughs> Not just Jesus died, not just Jesus died for the world. Not just Jesus died for sinners. Particular love for the person. And then they say, Jesus died for me. And I gave you this illustration um, a few weeks ago. There was a, there's this person who's famous or infamous, depending on how you, <laughs> you can see. Her name is Rosaria Butterfield. She was a, a radical feminist lesbian English professor. And then she came to faith in Jesus. And if you read her story... She wanted to learn the Bible. <laughs> she put this a feeler out there, wants to, and then she got all this angry mail from so-called Christians. I wonder if they're even Christians. And then a pastor engaged her, invited her to dinner. And she's thinking, like, okay, this person's got to, like, you know, could religion me. And she's nervous that this person is going to treat her like a project. Going to try to like preachy at me, preach at me, get me into church, and do the religion thing on me, right? Treat me like a project. And he didn't do any of that. He treated her with respect and offered friendship and listened. In other words, he did particular love for a very particular person. You know what he was doing? He was fishing. The best kind. And I'll tell you one more story, and then let's go to close my message. Because I want to give you an example. That's a particularly kind of spectacular example <laughs> of, uh, of successful fishing. But let me give you a different one. It's a little bit closer to home. And um, so that you can, instead of you feeling like, oh, there's some work on me, and i got to do it just right, or you know, I've got to have a bad mark on my report card because my tallies won't be very good before, just get rid of all that. Right? Um, so I'm going to tell you a story about someone who was a, who was a, who was a disciple, a follower. 
and he fished. And the fruit has been really remarkable. Um, and it's about a man who lives right here in our city. It's a Korean-American gentleman. His name is Kyung Yee. All right, Y-I is how you spell his last name. Right? And, um, and he helped fish uh, a member of our very own church. Many of you know him. His name is John Har. Right? And, um, and if it weren't for Kyung Yee, John is probably not one of our members, one of our leaders. <laughs> he influences many of you. <laughs> so here's the story. Um, John was 12 years old. Can you imagine John's 12-year-old kid in San Jose? This is the early 80s. San Jose, I think, was called Silicon Valley back then, but it wasn't famous. It was only called Silicon Valley kind of around here because Silicon, you know, semiconductor companies were starting up around here and compete, you know, IBM was still here and so forth. Apple hadn't even really gotten going yet. Right? And, um, but you got this kid. Um, he's sort of like the proto, you know, like super engineer of the future. <laughs> And John, you know, did little, you know, he ended up, you know, he went to a, a hotshot school and, you know, became a, you know, an engineer and now he's on the business side of a, of a tech company. So, but back then he's just a 12-year-old kid who likes computers. <laughs> and his father, his father was a small business and worked really long hours. And his father said, you know, my kid likes computers, so let's try to encourage him in that. And saw this little announcement in the Korean newspaper that there was going to be a new computer store opening, and it was called A and K Computers. A and K, I think, stood for American and Korean, because the owner was Korean American. It was Kyung Yi, and he had a business partner. And it was going to be a computer store, and it would help, especially those who are of Korean descent, because they may not be able to speak English, and then they could learn about computers and so forth and get into this world. So his dad saw this little announcement in the Korean newspaper and took his 12-year-old boy, John, <laughs> to this store and met the store owner, this guy, Kyung Yi. Kyung Yi took, you know, took a look at John and befriended him. And Kyung was a Christian, <laughs> actually a faithful member, still a member of, a, of this church out here. It's a Baptist church um, right here in San Jose. And, and he was a member of that, of, that, of that church at the time. And he took um, a liking to this boy. And he asked the father, hey, do you go to church? And at that time, John's father was not a Christian. In fact, I, so like John you know, and I have you know, been friends since high school. John's father is like an uncle to me. And for most of the time, I've known his father. He's, he was not a believer. He only became to faith late in life. Right? But at that time, he was not a believer. And they weren't going to church. And so... You know, so, 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 you know, do you go to church? No. So would, would, you, would you allow your children? Do you have, so you apparently have another daughter. So he was just his dad, but apparently he said, oh, we have another, I have another daughter. His, little, his, sister, his younger sister named Unhee, and she's, um, at the time she was 10. <laughs> he was 12 and she was 10. He says, if I came and picked up your children, would you allow them to go to church? And Mr. Har, thinking, you know, I don't really believe in this stuff, but church isn't a bad place. It's a good way to keep my son out of trouble. <laughs> Said, sure. <laughs> so you seem like a nice guy, um, and I think you, you're, you seem, tr you know, trustworthy. Um, if you want to come and take my, pick up my son and daughter on Sunday morning and take them to church, you can do that. You know how old Kyung Yi was at this point? He was about 24. <laughs> he was a recent graduate out of San Jose State opened up this business, 
small business. So he's not, we're not talking about an older guy. We're talking about a very young man. Um, I, I know Mr. Yi too. I, that's what I call him. You know, John, you know, so like, so Kyung Yi would pick up John and Uni every Sunday morning, take them to church. You know how long he did this? He did it for like four to five years until John got his driver's license. Did it every week. And after Sunday, after the service was over, sometimes they'd go, they'd probably go get some French fries <laughs> or like ice cream, and you pick up a little relationship. And I know Mr. Yi too. I've, I've heard him like teach the Bible. He's not very good at it. <laughs> right? He's a very opinionated guy. He's a really funny guy and, um, and, and, uh, and, and, and very, you know, down to earth. And uh, just for that really peace of simple, particular love for a particular boy and a girl, they started going to church. And over time, both of them came to know the Lord. And now today, John is one of our core members. <laughs> He's one of our most important leaders. And the fruit that comes out of John's life, because Kyung Yi fished him with very simple but profoundly important particular love for a very particular person. That's what's happened. And would you and I, doesn't sound too hard, is it? Okay, maybe not every single week. I was thinking, look, okay, when he told me every single week, I was like, okay, that's pretty, that's a big thing. But simple little pieces of love like this, is that too hard to do fishing that way? Let me close my message this way. Um, you know, you hear this message about being a fisher, fisher of, uh, of people. And before you think about the task and command, what I would like to ask you to do is think about how you came out of the wilderness. If you know Jesus, you consider yourselves a disciple, son and daughter of God through the blood of the Lamb. How did you come out of the wilderness? Before you think about the task, think about that. Because you were a fish one at once. And you were lost out in the wilderness. And you know what? The king sent somebody. Think of the people who influenced you. They weren't all preachers, probably. Um, you know, like, um, I'm doing this piece of discipleship training, and the people are doing this. We all were asking the people who, who helped you. And you know what? Like, like most of the people that we recount, they weren't preachers. <laughs> they weren't Bible teachers, and some of them weren't very good at teaching the Bible at all. But you know what they all did? They did humble love. That's what they did. And who are the people? You think about it. And they influenced you. And they fished you. Like, who are the Kyungis in your life? And they brought you into an orbit of a church, maybe a big church, maybe a small church, maybe it was a small Bible study, whatever it was. And then they introduced you to the king. And you met this king. And you heard the news about him. And you didn't know if it was good or not. And you heard the news about him. And for the first time, maybe it was the hundredth time you heard it, or the first time you heard it that this was a king who came down to be a servant. And he was the son of God. And he lived in a fellowship of pure and perfect love. And he came down to a set of people. They were lost. 
they would bite him. They would run away from him. They would turn to other gods, including and kings themselves, and they would rebel against him and even hate him. And ultimately, they crucified him. And for them, he bled, he died, he laid his life down. And he did a work which completed, utterly completed their redemption and pulled them and liberated them out of the lostness of the wilderness and out of the shackles of their own, trying to be their own king. And you heard that one day. You heard that news. And you said, that's my king. His glory shone upon you, and you knew. And I want to ask you today, before you go out to go do a work, would you just first remember that you were a fish? And you were fished, and the glory of the king captured you, and you were redeemed. And he sent other fishers to, to quite help you, and they did. And thus, you release from the darkness of the wilderness and into the grace and love of this king. You remember that. And then as you go out into the world, maybe there will be a 12-year-old boy in your life or a 32-year-old co-worker or a 65-year-old neighbor. For some reason, you could just sense the Lord is putting particular love on your heart for this particular person. And maybe this is a person that the Lord's saying, love them, fish them, I love them. Would you be willing to do that? You never know where the Lord's going to go with it. Let's pray. Father, Thank you for sending us your son to be a king who made himself a lamb, who interposed his blood to release us from the devil and to wash us from all our guilt and shame. And I, today, I hope that we can remember. I don't know, maybe it's our first love. Sometimes our first love was the most important first love for you. Maybe it was our sixth or seventh or tenth love. Maybe we first got saved when we were young, but we really didn't have a deep, profound breakthrough of how deeply you love us and pursue us until we were much older. It was our tenth love. Take us back to the first love or the tenth love. And take us back to that place where, remember, before we were your followers, we had to be fished. And you sent fishers into our lives. And so ultimately, you can come into our life, Lord, King Jesus. We thank you for them. And of course, we thank you for yourself, Jesus. And so now, may we gladly obey you and follow you, King and Lord, Savior, our deepest riches, Lamb of God. And so when you call us, fish from me. <laughs> Fish for me as your king. Fish for my kingdom. For my kingdom must be full of people who have tasted and known of mercy, grace, love, and forgiveness. 
the liberation that we have found. May we gladly obey you. May our hearts be attuned to the particular fish that you place into our lives. Cause us to love them, filled with gospel grace, filled with your power, not with our own, filled with your humility. And we pray that with these simple little pieces of particular love, as we fish for you, you would redeem hearts and souls and your glory would shine in them and through them forever and ever. In Jesus' name.